Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Glad to have you guys here. I just got to say something. Man, that girl doing announcements, that girl was hot. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased about that, but I, man, I like her. Anyways, we, we should have her do that more often. Um, that's my wife, in case you don't know. So I'm, I'm a little, I definitely am biased on that one. But we're glad that you're here with us today as we're be continuing this series called Change for Good. And uh, in, in, in case you don't know, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I, I am really appreciative that you're here because I know that you could be doing a lot of different things on your Sunday morning. And instead, you chose to be here. You chose to go after a deeper relationship with God. And I believe that today, God is going to speak to you in some ways, maybe that he hasn't spoken to you before. He's going to reveal some things in your life, and he's going to do some things in your life today that maybe you haven't seen or experienced. In, in fact, why don't, you, why don't you tap your neighbor on the shoulder and go, hey, you. Okay, that's good. You guys are, you guys are kind of paying attention here. God's about to show up. Now turn to the person that you didn't want to tell them that God was about to show up and say, you look good. Okay, just make them feel good about themselves. And so <laughs> we're in this series called Change for Good. And we've been talking about how in a lot of times in the beginning of the year, we all set out with some ideas of what this year is going to look like, how we want our finances to be different, how we want to engage in some different relationships, how we're going to make some decisions to get our health going in the right direction, or maybe a career path change that we believe that this is the year that we're going to have to take. And so we start getting these things all together, and we start saying, man, I want to achieve this. Who are some people that are already at the level that I want to be at? And a lot of times we find somebody, and we start looking at their life and start comparing their life to our life and go, oh my gosh, if I'm going to change and I'm going to have the results that they're having, I'm going to have to change a lot of things in my life. And we've been talking about this principle all throughout this series that is really a little bit different than that. It's not a whole bunch of changes that you're going to have to make. We've been saying all along, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. It's also often the small changes in our lives that take us to the big results that we see in other people's lives and that we dream about in other people's lives. We said it a lot like this. It's often the small tweaks in life that'll take us to the giant peaks. It's not major changes. It's small changes done over time consistently that transform our life. And we started out the first week and we talked about the fact that this is the beginning of the year and it's important for us to all get focused and get a word from God. Get a word that's gonna be the direction and the focus of our life. And so that's been homework. How many of you guys are doing well on your homework? The front row. Okay, good. Good, there's four of them down there. Um, that's awesome. I, I still want to encourage you. Listen, if you haven't gone and you haven't sought God, if you're, if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about because this is your first time here, you're off the hook, okay? You get a free pass on this. But we've been talking about this over the last couple weeks. It's important for us to get a word from God. It's important for us to know the direction that he's trying to take us this year because it's going to help us decipher the things that he wants to do in our life. And so we've been talking about getting a theme, getting a word that's going to give us a place to go because there is a pattern to our life whether we like it or not. And we've been talking about this pattern that the pattern goes like this. We all have thoughts. And the thoughts that we have, the thoughts that we ponder on eventually lead to the words that we speak. And the words that we speak dictate the actions that we take. And the actions that we are taking in life are forming habits about our life. 
And the habits that we have in our life is, are eventually going to determine our destiny. And so if you don't like where you're heading in life, then you're going to cycle back through and find out where, what part of this pattern is messed up for me. And so we started talking about our thought life in the second week, and last week we talked about our worth, and today we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about discipline. Everybody say discipline. Say it like you mean it. Say discipline. Oh, man, that's good. You guys are awake. You got some coffee this morning, maybe some donuts. This is good. We're going to talk about discipline because discipline, it's how we create the life that we're living. And, and you and I, listen, we are a product of what we always do. We're not a product of what we do every once in a while. We're not a product of what happened to us once. We are a product of the things that we do over and over and over again in our lives. And so if we want to know where we're going, we just got to look at the pattern of what is consistent in our life. And if we're going to live the life that we're supposed to live, it's going to be because of the things that we do consistently in our life. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you guys would say, man, like, I'm just crushing it when it comes to the area of discipline. Like, I am disciplined in all aspects of my life. I've got it down. Like, I don't even need this message. Okay. How many of you guys are like, I, I, I don't have discipline down very well. I, I could definitely use some work in this area. Um, like, it's not going as well as I would hope. I, I have some hope for discipline, but not going very well. Okay, quite a more few of you. How many of you guys would not raise your hand if I said you were born of your mother? Like, like that qual- No, Yeah, there's, okay. Back row, thank you for participating. Yeah, I knew somebody would finally get in on that. And so, you know, we think, man, I just need more discipline. And I would argue to all of us, that all of us are very, very disciplined. Some of us are just not very disciplined in good things. Because what were results, the results that we're getting in our life in some of those areas that we don't necessarily like, it's the result of some disciplines that we have that aren't very good. And so I, I've realized this. I have some disciplines that, that aren't very good. My wife, she was just on the screen. She was talking about Africa. When she was in Africa this past year, I found out there's, there's a discipline in my life that's not very good. When she was gone, I loved Netflix. Any, any Netflix fans out there? Like, and, and I'd never watched the show The Walking Dead. And so I started with the first episode of The Walking Dead. And I found out really quick that I had a discipline. Like, oh, what's going to happen in Rick's life next? Play. You know, what's going to happen at the hospital? Play. Who's going to get bit next? Play. And before long, I was binge watching this show. Because I was disciplined that I wanted to know what's going to happen next. Not a very good discipline. But it was one of those. Every Christmas, there's a group of us that get together and do a cooking party of cookies and treats. And I am really, really disciplined at this event to eat as many of the cookies that are made as possible. Because there's other guys there that are vying for those same cookies. And if I don't eat as many as I can in that moment, if I'm not discippointed to do that, I will miss out on cookies and Buckeye. And if you've never had a Buckeye, man, you, you, you just need some help. Uh, a Buckeye, let me just explain this to you. Buckeye is like this, it's just like peanut butter goodness dipped in chocolate that goes into your mouth and just explodes. Like it is so good. It'll make you slap your mama, who will in turn slap her mama. I mean, it's awesome. That's how good it is. And I'll eat as much as I can because I'm disciplined to do that. Now, I'll pay the price later because I can't go to sleep because my stomach hurts. 
but I'm disciplined to do and get as much as I can. And I would argue that all of us are disciplined in, in a lot of areas of our lives. And some of us, you're a lot like me. You're disciplined in some bad areas of your life, and those things are hurting you. And so how do we get it figured out so that we're disciplined in the right things? And I have this definition of discipline. It's in your notes, and I, I just want to read it to you because I think it's a really, really good definition that can guide us. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want right now in this moment, in the, in the, the time frame that you're looking at, and what you want for your future, what you want for eternity. It's choosing between those two things. And so it's really easy to understand why a lot of the choices that we're making for our long-term wants are sabotaging our future by our instantaneous wants for the moment, isn't it? It's really easy to see, like, those Buckeyes are not, not helping my diet that I want to look like, you know, the rock and be jacked. It's not adding to that. But yet so many times it's our inconsistencies that are messing us up. And if you see people that are successful, you'll see consistent disciplines in their life. If you look at somebody that has a great marriage, I guarantee there's some consistent disciplines that they have in their life. I, there's probably, they have it scheduled out that they have a date night pretty consistently. They probably have time that they set aside to talk every day about what's going on in their life and what's happening in their relationship and how they can better communicate with each other. The reason they're successful is because they have consistent disciplines. You find somebody that's very, very healthy. And you'll find out that there's a lot of consistent disciplines. There's consistency in their diet. They only eat certain things. They don't eat other things. There's consistency in their working out. There's consistency in what they drink. They don't drink a whole bunch of soda. They're always drinking water. They walk. In fact, you always know these people because they're walking around with a gallon jug everywhere they go. And you, and you wonder why. Why are they so fit? And I'm not. Well, stop throwing back a triple chocolate mocha cappuccino with extra whipped cream. And it might help you. You're getting the results because of the consistency of buying that for $7 a day at Starbucks. You look at, you look at people all the time and you go, man, that's wild. You see parents with great kids and you want to know why they have great kids that respond to them instantaneously the first time they say it. Because there's consistency in the message that they're giving their child. And there's consistency in the discipline of that child when they do not answer to that word that they speak. And therefore they have kids that are very cognizant of what's going on and the reason you and i we don't naturally gravitate towards discipline and consistency in our life is because consistency and discipline honestly is painful isn't it it's painful in fact paul writes about it in hebrews chapter 12 he says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful and we know that this is all true the first time you go back to the gym that first day you go in you do some leg squats the next day what do you have you have dead legs. You can't move. You don't want to get out of bed. Why? Because it's the pain of the thing. It's the pain of discipline that moves you to that. You know, when you're trying to raise your kids the right way, I was with a friend that the first time he actually spanked his child, it was the most hilarious thing. But it was the pain for him of doing the discipline to cause his child to be trained up in the right way. And none of us like the pain of that moment, and so we veer away from discipline in our lives. But he says, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. 
and peace for those who have been trained by it. He says, listen, discipline your life, there are benefits that come from it. There's a harvest of righteousness that's waiting, and there's this peace that's going to come in your life when we get consistent in discipline in our lives. But a lot of us, we gravitate towards inconsistency. And I know for me, every time I make up my mind that I'm going to get healthy, which I do two or three times a year um, because that's my consistency. Maybe maybe some of y'all relate, like, I'm going to get healthy right now. And so I start off really well. Man, I'm exercising every day. I'm drinking water, lots of it. I'm cutting back on my intake from, from Java and, and just, just doing all that. And then I'm going and, and making sure I'm doing things that I don't normally do. I'm eating healthy. And then all of a sudden, I get a little bit late in my day and uh, a meeting gets scheduled that I wasn't prepared for when I was supposed to go work out and all of a sudden I'm not working out and before I know it, I'm standing under the golden arches getting a Big Mac. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's like, it's like a little bit of inconsistency and all of a sudden, man, I've drifted way over here. Almost like that because we naturally drift towards what we want now rather than what we want most because it's easy and it's not as painful. And this scenario plays out over and over and over again in our lives. And so many times we want so desperately to change, but we end up being so inconsistent. And why? Why is that the case for all of us? And I love Paul because Paul just gets really real and really, really vulnerable in Romans chapter 7. In fact, I think that this is probably one of the most vulnerable uh, pieces of Scripture in all of the New Testament where, where Paul just is kind of this tough guy who's always just like, this is how it is. And he just gets real and just kind of shares his struggle with consistency in life. And I think that as you read this, you'll find yourself a lot in this as well. And so Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15, it says, I don't really understand myself. That right there, some of y'all are like, I'm right there too. I don't understand me. Like, I am confusing. And he goes, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Skipping down to verse 18. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And going down to verse 24, he says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And as Paul is talking about his struggle here, he's highlighting a couple of feelings that probably ring true for all of us in life. That as we're looking at our lives and we're thinking about this area of discipline, that all of us have this tendency to be confused. I mean, we just do. We, we look at this and we go, man, I, I don't really understand myself. Like, I don't get me. And why is he confused by, by his own life? Because he's going, man, I want to do what's right. Man, I don't want to have this addiction anymore. Man, I don't want to go visit those websites. I don't want to go spend that money frivolously. I don't want anger to control my life any longer. Like, that's not what I want. That's not what's, what is inside of me. What I want to do is the right thing. But, but what seems to be happening is this other thing. And I don't, I don't get it. I'm just kind of confused in life. And so it keeps playing out. And so that confusion leads him to this place where he's conflicted, where he's conflicted within himself. He's like, man, I just don't get it. 
I've got this confusion going on, but yet I know that there is this God part of me that is drawing me towards doing the right thing. Like, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, and God has given me the power to do it, but yet I still have all these desires over here that go the exact opposite of that, and my desires keep me pulling me towards the things I don't want to do. And the Bible talks about that, and it says that those things are the lust of our flesh, and our lust of our flesh is always leading us to selfish desires, which typically are very, very destructive in our life. He says, man, I've got this natural and destructive behavior that I'm veering towards, but yet I know that God has empowered me to be completely different, and I'm just, I'm just jacked up, and I'm being pulled in both directions. It's like a tug of war going back and forth, and I, I want to do this one, but I keep doing this one, and I don't know what to do. And so he's, he's confused and he's conflicted. And finally, he just gets to this place where he's just discouraged. Just completely discouraged. And some of you may feel that same way today too. You might feel discouraged about your situation because you feel trapped between these two poles. And when it's pulling you back and forth before long, it causes you to be hopeless. And, and Paul's looking at his life and he goes, man, I know what I'm supposed to do. But I keep doing this over here, and every time I do this, I hate myself for it. And I beat myself up over it. In fact, he goes, man, what a miserable person I am. And I think it's where a lot of Christ followers end up. We look at our life and we go, man, I... I don't like the life I have. I don't like the addictions that I have. I don't like the, the way that I'm eating. I don't like the friends that I have, but I don't know how to be free. I don't know how to break free from this because I've got this tug of war going on inside of me, and I, I can't seem to break free of this. And it seems like we just repeat this same cycle over and over and over and over again. And before long, man, it, we start out the year, and we have all of these great intentions, and we have all these great ideas, and we're being disciplined, and we're doing the right thing. And then we start to drift, and all of a sudden, we're right back to the same patterns we had before. And it's discouraging. And it gets us to this place where we're just going crazy within ourselves. In fact, the Germans figured this out during World War II. There was a, there was a concentration camp in Hungary where this, this warden of this concentration camp, he decided to do something to the Jewish prisoners. And so what he did is, is he would go and he grabbed this whole big, huge pile of sand. And he put it at one end of the concentration camp. And the... One day, he got all the Jewish prisoners, and he said, hey, I need you to move this, this sand to the other side of the concentration camp. And so all day long, these Jewish prisoners are moving this sand to one side of the concentration camp, and they labor all day long, and I mean, just, just tormenting work, because how many of you know carrying sand, it like keeps slipping through your fingers? I mean, it's frustrating. And they finally finish it, and they go to bed, and the next day, they wake up, and he says, hey, you know that pile of sand you moved yesterday to this spot? I want you to go over there, pick that up, and take it back to the other place where you got it from. And day after day, he did this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it seemed like these prisoners were just doing meaningless work. And they said within weeks, prisoners were literally running and jumping into electric fences to kill themselves because they were doing meaningless tasks. Because they felt like there was no hope for their situation. And so many of us, that's what it feels like for us. We're trying to do these things and 
and we're putting in all this work and we're putting in all this effort and then we make the same mistakes over and over again and we feel so hopeless and it's driving us crazy and we look in the mirror and we go man i'm never going to be free i'm never going to break through in this area i'm never going to change and 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 we think that but paul at the end of this verse gives us a little bit of a secret that we all need he says this in verse 25 he says he goes man i'm miserable but thank god thank god the answer is in jesus christ our lord he's saying listen and this is important for us The answer is not in a principle. The answer is in a person. And that's important for us because we teach a lot of principles, man. If you live out these principles in your life, it's going to change you. But without the person of Jesus as the foundation for that principle in your life, you are going to be powerless in that thing. It is the biggest difference between Christianity and all the self-help books that are out there and all the other religions of the world because they say, man, if you're just more disciplined, if you're just more self-disciplined, you're going to overcome this. But we all know that our self-discipline doesn't help us break through any of it. We struggle with the same thing. What we need is not self-discipline. We need spirit discipline. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life and through our life if we're going to overcome. And so it's not just the discipline, it's the, it's the person of Jesus that's active in our life that's going to transform our life. Because we've been trying to kick these things for years on our own, but without, with him, nothing is impossible. And so we have to learn how to choose what we want most over what we want right now because the devil is working overtime to get you to settle for opportunities and options and all these different aspects of life rather than living with intention and living with discipline and paul being the incredible leader that he was when he wrote to to churches and believers he wrote a lot of times in the metaphor as it relates to sports which which just speaks to me because i'm a sports guy i'm a competitive guy and so in first corinthians 9 paul is talking about competition and he relates it to our life when it comes to this area of discipline. And this is what he, real, what he writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, don't you realize that in every race, in a, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Listen, we're going to come back to that. We're going to talk about that prize because that's an important element. He says, so run to win. Right there, I want you just to circle that in your notes, circle that in your Bible, make that a point because that is an important statement that Paul makes right there. He says, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And that's a great set of scriptures, but if you understand the context of that scriptures, it takes it to a whole nother level. See, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and Corinth was an isthmus. And if you don't know what an isthmus is, it's an area that's surrounded by three bodies of water. So it's it's almost like the it's like Florida. It's a it's it would be considered an isthmus, and so it's surrounded by water. And in Corinth, every year before there was ever the Olympics, there was what they called the Ismanian Games. You can look it up on Google. You can look it up on Wikipedia. It's a, it's a true deal. The, the Ismanian Games where athletes from all over Corinth and, and these nations would come together and they would compete. And at the center of this city was their gymnasium and dormitories where the athletes would come and they would come months in advance. And they would train and they would eat and they would prepare 
for the events that were about to take place. They were getting ready to compete in these games, which meant the entire world to them. And you'll notice that I pointed out that there was only one winner in these games. There was no uh, first place, second place, third place. There was no gold, silver, and bronze like our Olympics. There was only one winner. So Ricky Bobby wasn't the first one to say first, first, yeah, you get it. If you ain't first, you're last. Corinthians actually came up with that. He just stole it. If I could actually say it. Because there's only one winner in their race. Only one winner. And they were focused on winning, and winning was all that mattered to them. You know, it's not like today's culture where, where everybody who participates gets a trophy. Like, oh, you showed up. Good job. Here's a trophy. Like, I'm just going to tell you this right now, parents. Like, all of you parents. Like, everybody getting a trophy, that's, that's bad for your kids. Because, listen, just because you survive in life doesn't mean you get a trophy. Like, at the end of the day, there are losers in this life. Come on now. You know it's true. There's losers, like, when you get to heaven, God's not going to be like, good job, you survived earth. Way to just kind of drift through it. No, he's going to be like, man, did you, did you play to win? Did you run your race to win? It doesn't work like that. Not everybody gets a trophy. It's for those who ran the race. And Paul is talking about this in such urgency because we're in a race and we should all be running in such a way to win. We should be all running to win. And if we're ever going to get to the place where we're doing the right things and being disciplined and consistency, we have all got to realize, number one, that you are in a race that must be won. You are in a race that must be won. That's why he says, do you not realize that all these people are running? But you, you have to run to win. Now, that phrase, that would have been very, very common to them. That would have been like kind of the mantra of their training as they were doing laps, getting ready for this race. They would have been encouraging one with one another, like run to win. When they were lifting weights, they would have been like run to win. They would have been, this would have been something that they would have been very, very familiar with that phrase because it was a common phrase in that day. And he's saying, man, you need to run to win. Now, I realize some of y'all know me pretty well, like I like running to win. I don't like running for fun. Can I get an amen right there? There's some people, there's, there's actually a group of people in our church right now that are in Miami running for fun. Like, that makes no sense to me. No sense. Like, who runs? I, I watch people. I live in, in, in uh, where do I live? That's a good question. I live over here off Lyons. I don't remember the name of my community. Township, thank you. Somebody else knows where I live. Thank you. Uh, Rain fart, okay, rain fart. <laughs> and I watch these people behind my house. They just run around this track over and over again. I'm like, and they're, they do it, for, they're running by themselves. Like, they're not competing against anybody. They're just. <laughs> I'm like, why? I'm competitive. Like, I'm going to run, like, I'm going to beat you. That's what, I'm running to get something. Like, I want to be able to say, like, I'm the man and you suck. Like, that's what I want it to be. Just, this is real talk. We're in church. We can be honest here. I've never understood running just for fun. It's probably why I've never really embraced the sport of soccer. Like, it's a lot of needless running. 
Probably why our country's never embraced it, but that's a totally different conversation. So, uh, but when you run to win, it changes the strategy at which you run. It changes the strategy and it changes the purpose because you're not running for fun. You're not just out there just chilling out, man. You're running to win. And Paul says, man, run to win. And they were so dedicated to winning back in those days and training that when rice time came to them, they didn't go and lace up their Nikes. In fact, they were wearing robes. That was very much the cultural norm. And so they would be getting ready for this race that was going to determine where their standing in their community was. And so what they would do is they would literally derobe themselves and run naked to be the fastest. I'm telling you what, if there was a race that you were naked in, I would be in the front of that pack. Ain't no way I'm running behind all that. I'm just telling you right now. Like, I'm going to be in the front of that race in Jesus' name. Like, I'm going to be at the front there. You start thinking about that. They were so dedicated. I don't think too hard about that. But (laughs) start thinking about that. They were so dedicated to winning that they would strip naked. All of a sudden, it makes sense. When you read verses like Hebrews 12, 1, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. They'd all be like, oh, that makes sense because when I go to race, man, I get rid of my coat. I get rid of my robe and I I run. I run buck naked to get to the first place. He says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And see, what happens for a lot of us is we're running this race, but we're holding on to our past, and we're trying to drag that along with us. We're running with some hurt in our relationships, and we're dragging that along with us. We're, we're dragging some sin that we've got that we're trying to hide from other people, and we're wondering why our race isn't going very fast. It's because we haven't had the discipline yet to let go of those things and run unhindered and strip off so we can run to win and leave all that junk behind. And why would it be worth it to strip all that off? It's for the prize. It's for the prize. Paul says, man, you run from a, for a worthless prize. Do you know what their prize was in the Ismanian games? Their prize was literally, they got a wreath of dried celery. They stripped naked for some old funky celery. And Paul's going, listen, you're running for worthless things, but listen, the race that you're called to run isn't for worthless things, it's for eternal things. And you're not running for some funky wreath that is nasty and moldy and gross. You're running for changed lives. And so if your race impacts eternity, how much more important is that race? How much more important is it for us as believers to run that race with every step, with every single place that we put our foot with intentionality and with discipline so that the decisions that we're making, we're making knowing that they're not just impacting us, but they're impacting everyone around us. Because a lot of us think that our decisions are only impacting me, but our decisions impact all of those around us, whether we like it or not. And we got to realize, man, that this race is an important race. That's why he says, he, he breaks into another analogy right in that. He goes, man, I'm not shadow boxing. He says, I'm not fighting nothing. He's like, man, I am in the fight of my life. And let me tell you something, you're probably in the fight of your life right now too. You're in the fight of your life to win the race that's been set before you before God. And the disciplines 
that we need to have in our life are not just for us. Listen, every morning, I don't ever want to get up and get out of bed when it's not cold in my house and get up and get ready and go spend time with God because, uh, like, I just want to be able to say I did that. No, the reason I want to do that discipline is because I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a, a man that leads my house. I want to be a man that when I speak, there's wisdom that comes out of my mouth, and the best place I can get wisdom is from God, not from Oprah or Dr. Phil or any of those other jokers that don't know jack squat about anything. Man, I gotta be disciplined in those those situations. The reason, man, I spend quality time with my wife isn't just so that I can I can have some time with her. It's because I want a lost and dying world to see what a healthy marriage looks like. What honest conversation between a husband and wife looks like. What respect and honor looks like out in public, not just in private. And so what happens is it, is it gives me so much more motivation for it to not just be about me, but it's for everyone around that is experiencing eternity through my life. And that's why Paul is telling us, run with such purpose. Run with such passion in life. Because the decisions that you make are not just impacting this moment, they're impacting eternity. Well, how do we do that? And, and Paul says, man, it comes from your discipline. It comes from the disciplines, and we're all prone, because if we look at our life, we're all prone to destroy our life. We're prone to destroy relationships. We're prone to destroy our careers. We're prone to destroy our integrity. We're prone to destroy things because our natural nature, just like Romans says, is to live a sin nature. It's to do the wrong thing. But it says there's something in us that's pushing us towards the right thing, and that's the Spirit of God living inside of us. And if we'll embrace God's Spirit and say, God, man, I'm going to live with eternity in mind rather than today in mind, it changes everything. And I'm going to pick what I want most rather than what I want now. Man, and I have this struggle all the time. Every time I drive down US-1, I see the Krispy Kreme hot donut sign up. Anybody else have this experience? I mean, it's like you see it and it's lit up and you just go, that's the Holy Spirit talking to me. He must want me to eat four dozen donuts right now. And I've ate four dozen donuts. It's possible. Let me tell you something. It's possible. Especially when they're hot and they just kind of melt in your mouth. It's, everybody's going to be going to Krispy Kreme after this. That's what I want right now. There's some drool coming out right now. It's just, but what I want most is I probably want to be able to sleep tonight without a stomachache. <laughs> what I want most is is to not be 400 pounds because that's like if I keep eating four dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, there's a good chance that's where I'm going to end up. What I want now is to go home and sit in front of the TV and vegetate and just ignore the entire world. But what I want most is for my wife to want to have honest communication with me. And so that means I need to put my attention and my focus on her. What I want now is, golly, this morning, I just wanted to sink in. I just wanted to, sleep. I just wanted to hit snooze about 1,500 times. But what I want most is I want to have a dynamic relationship with my Heavenly Father. 
to where I say to him, man, you're first and foremost in my life every single day. You're more important to me than getting an extra five minutes of sleep because that five minutes of you can transform my life where that five minutes of sleep is just going to be a rude awakening five minutes later. In every area of our life, we can identify choices that we're making right now that are sabotaging what we want most in our life because we're choosing something right now that is leading to destruction in the long term. And so we got to realize that, man, this race that we're running, it matters. And we've got to train and we've got to discipline our bodies to run this race that God has set before us. So how do we do that? Number two, man, we've got to identify what we need to do now to have what you want most. Got to identify what you need to do right now to have what you want most in your life. What's that one adjustment they need to make? I'm not asking you to make 487 different adjustments. As we've been talking and we've been giving you homework over the last couple of weeks and saying, man, what's that one word? What's that one thought? What's that one uh, proclamation that you need to make? Going right, right along with that. Not what are 37 things you need to do. What is the one discipline? What is the one thing that you need to do this year that as you discipline yourself, as you run your way race, is going to absolutely transform your life because here's the thing man if we can get our thought life right and we realize that the way we think determines what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about and the things that we're saying are gonna speak and we're gonna start to see those things in our life and as we start to see those things in our life we discipline ourselves to run that race what could God do with us and we've got to remember throughout the entire process that it, as Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not something we can do on our own. We're going to need to be empowered by God. And maybe today you're here and you've been trying to do all this stuff on your own. You've been, you've been working it out. You've been trying so hard. And you wonder why you keep falling into the same pattern like Romans 7 where I want to do this, but I keep doing that because you've been trying to do it under your own power. And maybe today is the day that you need to ask God to come and fill you with his power. Maybe you need to make him the Lord of your life. Maybe you need to realize that he loves you so much that he sent his son 2,000 years ago so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. The way you do that is because you're empowered by him rather than using your self-discipline to try to overcome. Maybe for others of you, it's, it's the day that you recognize that you controlling everything hasn't worked. And maybe today is the day that I need to let him have control. Maybe you've been living your life thinking it's all about me. And the reality is, is that it's all about eternity. And what you're doing right now is sabotaging what you want most for your life. And today is maybe the day you need to take a step back God, and go, God, man, I'm sorry. I've been focusing on the wrong things. I've been focusing on the wrong disciplines. And today, I'm going to set my eyes upon you. Let's pray. God, I just come before you. This is what I know is that we, we could probably all use work in the area of discipline. But maybe you're in here today and, and you've been trying to do this on your own. And today's the day you say, God, man, I, I need your power at work within me because I can't do it. I've tried and, and I keep failing. But today I need you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, man, if you just slip your hand up real quick, I'd love to pray with you. Yes, thank you. People all over the place. It's okay. Nobody's going to hurt you for slipping your hand up. 
In fact, God says, man, when you, when you confess before people, me, and you say it before them, like, man, I, I'll show up even in a bigger fashion. And so, God, I just pray for those people right now that are saying, man, I need more of God. I pray that you would show up in their life like never before, that your Holy Spirit would empower them to do something great for you. God, and I pray for the rest of us that, Lord, we wouldn't just go through life thinking that it's just normal to live this way, but God, that we would be dependent on your spirit. God, that we would recognize that we're in a race that doesn't just matter for today, it matters for eternity. God, and that you would equip us and that you would empower us to run that race with everything that we have. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.